Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. The book of Revelation, the word means the unveiling. So the, the book of Revelation is unique in that it's the unveiling of Jesus Christ. Like no other book in the Bible, this book's intention is to uncover, to unveil Jesus to us. And so while in the Gospels I'm looking at the life of Christ, I'm going to learn, we're going to learn more about Jesus Christ in this book because it's all about him. It's the unveiling of Jesus Christ. Whether they're a believer in Christ or not, many people are quick to assume that the word apocalypse means destruction. However, as Pastor Bill would teach you in his message today, the word apocalypse actually means unveiling or to reveal. In his study, you'll learn about some of the most common misconceptions surrounding the book of Revelation, from the common mistake of pluralizing revelations to simple misunderstandings. You'll gain a better understanding of this fascinating book. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation chapter one, as he begins his message, a picture of Jesus. Two weeks ago, we started the book of Revelation, gave an introduction, we covered verses one through eight. And so if you missed that, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the teaching. So we gave a, all the background of the book. It's written by the Apostle John, the circumstances surrounding it. For you guys that were here, you'll understand that there was heavy, heavy, heavy Roman persecution in John's day. All Most of the other apostles had already died for their faith. John, they attempted, church history says that John, they attempted to boil John in oil and it didn't work. So he was banished to this island, this island called Patmos, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit more in today's study. And so as he's on this island, banished for what we'll read today for the word of God and for his testimony, uh, God gives him this book, the book of Revelation. We cleared up two weeks ago that it's not the book of Revelations with S's. Amen. I want to hear no more of that mess. Okay. It's the book of Revelation. That's it. All right. O-I-O-N. So uh, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying, all right. but that, that, that is what it's called. It's the book of Revelation. The word means the unveiling. So the, the book of Revelation is unique in that it's the unveiling of Jesus Christ. Like no other book in the Bible, this book's intention is to uncover, to unveil Jesus to us. And so while in the gospels, I'm looking at the life of Christ, I'm going to learn, we're going to learn more about Jesus Christ in this book because it's all about him. It's the unveiling of Jesus Christ. And so we began that again two weeks ago. We'll continue that today as he reveals more of who he is. Today, I titled the message, we're going to cover Revelation 1, 9 through 20. I titled today's message, Picture of Jesus. For any of you guys that have attended here for any amount of time or been here for communion, you've heard me say, that I don't like pictures of Jesus, right? Why don't I like pictures of Jesus? Couple reasons. One, there is no real accurate picture of Jesus out there. Amen. So the picture that people have seen for decades, that ain't Jesus. That's not what he looked like. I don't know who made that up. Somebody said that was Michelangelo's boyfriend. I don't know. That's what I heard. Uh, and it might be true. I don't know where, I don't, I just know that's not Jesus. But it's 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 uh it's the widely accepted that you know if you see someone that looks like that picture that oh he looks like Jesus, it bothers me because we don't have a picture of Jesus and we could have. The Bible went through great extent to explain and describe other characters in Scripture. Um, we're told that Samson had long hair. Uh, we're told that Zacchaeus was short. We know that Esau was hairy. 
We know that Joseph was good looking in form and appearance. That means he was well built and handsome. We know Rachel was beautiful. We know Leah made your eyes hurt. Something like that. That's what it said. It says that. It says that. My point is the Bible described other people and there's no description given us about Jesus. And I, I believe it's intentional. So then it bothers me when men go and make a picture. And God's like, I didn't make a picture. I gave you this is what he gave us. And I tell you this every communion. He wants, he says, for those that want to remember me, he gave us his own memorial. I didn't give you a picture. I didn't give you a description. Broken body and shed blood. And you know why I think he did that? Because that's for everybody. Because everybody make Jesus for themselves. I've seen white Jesus, Latin Jesus, Asian Jesus, black dreadlock Jesus, every Jesus you can imagine. But the, the picture that he gives us is broken body and shed blood. That's for everybody. No one gets to take claim. We don't, no culture gets to say, that's for us. It's for everybody. He died for everybody. Amen. So that's my rant. I don't like pictures, but today I like this picture. This is the picture he gives us of himself. We're going to get a picture of the glorified Christ. And this picture will, it it won't so much tell us what he looked like as it's going to reveal what he does. So the picture that we're getting of Christ in his glorified body is not so much about his appearance as much as it is about what he does. He's revealing to us who he is. And just understand this, who you are is way more important than what you look like. Amen. So we can get hung up on the unimportant. What's he look like? God's like, never mind that. Look at who I am. Look at what I do. Make sure you make sure you're connected to that. So we're going to focus on the thing that he made important, which is what he looked not not what he looked like so much as who he is and what he does. And most importantly, what he's done for us. And so Look at it with me now. Look at um, Revelation chapter one. We're picking up at verse nine. Again, if you missed the introduction in the first eight verses online, you can go listen to it and get caught up. But verse nine, it says, I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. A couple things in verse nine. First of all, the apostle John, who is a big deal. He is he is actually an apostle. I want you to note that. Note how he relates to you and I. He's a, he's John, the apostle John that walked with Jesus, John. And he says, I'm your brother and your companion in the tribulation and kingdom of patience of Jesus Christ. So I have to point this out because there are people today that call themselves apostles, make themselves a big deal, and they're not relating to you on any level. They're here and you're there. I just want you to know John, who is really an apostle, who really was a big deal, says, I'm your brother. That's it. I'm just I'm your brother and I'm your companion in the tribulation. This would have meant a lot to the believers at his time that were the same persecution that put him on this island. He's telling the brothers in the churches that we're going to read this at that time. He says, look, I'm your brother. And I'm your companion in this tribulation. I'm with you. Uh, we're going through this together. I wanted to just point that out so that we be mindful that men shouldn't get to be a big deal. Amen. A pastor's not a big deal. Um, these so-called apostles are not big deals. Jesus is a big deal. And don't ever get that twisted. Don't ever let a man get up and make himself something. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I know what I am. I'm, and, I'm, I'm, and I'm just like you. I'll turn around and I'm looking to him. He is the big deal in my life. Anything good coming to me or through me came from him. You remove his spirit and you take away his word. I have nothing to say to you of value this morning. 
is all of him. Amen. And so, John, again, when you see men that to, to me, the guys that I look at that are truly, you know, understand him, they don't make big of themselves. They make big of him because that I mean, John is saying, look, I'm just your brother and I'm, I'm going through this thing with you guys. Uh, I just thought that was important. I, I like to see when people that really are a big deal, how they put it. So John says, I'm, I'm your brother and I'm your companion in the tribulation, the kingdom uh, and the patience of Jesus Christ. He says, I was in the island of which is called Patmos. This is why he's there. For the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. The thing that they were being persecuted for in John's day is John said, look, I'm, be, I'm here for the word of God. That means John was preaching the word of God, believing the word of God, not not willing to fold under persecution what the word of God says. So he says, so they so they punished me for that. And John was an eyewitness testimony for Jesus Christ. They said, get him out of here. Get him. We got to get rid of him. We can't. We that that testimony is impacting people. The Romans said, get him out. That's why he's why he's been put away. This is what's important to you and I. The word of God and our our testimony of Jesus Christ. Those are the same things that Satan wants to shut down in the life of the believers, in the life of the church. You guys know that. And so you could talk about anything at work. You could talk about you could talk about the most carnal, nasty, wicked, perverse stuff at work. But don't talk about Jesus. You be in you be in HR tomorrow. You can't have that. You know you can talk about anything else. You guys at work they can show pornography on. Look at it. Look at it, anything. Don't bring up Jesus. We can't we can't be having that. Why is that? And what's the spirit behind that? That's that's the world in which we live right now. And so um, as believers, I gotta hold my ground. Right? I'm gonna be challenged. You guys are gonna be challenged. That the more the world becomes more carnal and broken, we're gonna be challenged to lay down what we believe. Or to conform it to the world. But we can't we can't fold. John said, look, I'm here because of the word of God and my testimony. I can't fold with my testimony. I believe that Jesus Christ is God. Amen. That he died on the cross, that he rose from the grave. There's no other way to heaven except through him. He, in fact, said it himself. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And no man gets to the Father except through him. Now, I can't fold on that if somebody says, well, we think that's narrow and restrictive. And, you know, we want you to broaden your. No, I'm not broadening nothing. I didn't write this. I'm just conveying. That's not my message. It's his message. And so understand that just like John, if you hold to God's word as the standard and if you hold to the testimony of who Jesus really is, you too will endure persecution. And God, but John says, look, we're, I'm, I'm your companion in this. Right. Don't be like these guys out there that are folding. And say, you know what? I think that God would leave room. There are people that are making God adjust down for the carnality of our culture. Don't do that. Because when you do that, guess who you're no longer standing with? You're no longer standing with God. And so our culture begs us to do this. You know, let's make room. I think, you know, we're progressive. I'm not going to progress beyond the word of God. Amen. I want to make progress like the next man. But for me, progression is not progressing you know, away from the word of God. For me, progress is standing on the word. I want to make progress in God's word. And so he's there persecuted because of the word of God and his testimony. John's personal testimony of who Jesus was, what he had done. He saw Christ die. He saw the risen Lord. And that testimony is powerful. Understand this. Your testimony is powerful, too. Your testimony of who he is, your testimony of who Christ. Everybody here has a testimony. Every one of us has had an encounter with the Lord in some way, shape, or form, some of us for years. And so your testimony is powerful. And don't be afraid to share it. 
Don't don't not share it because it might bring it will bring persecution. All the more reason, because now I'm in great company because look at who all was persecuted. Think when you read through your Bible, those who rolled with the Lord, the toughest endured more endured the persecution. That was the evidence that they rolled. Paul rolled tough for the Lord. He was beaten, shipwrecked, jailed, beaten again, stoned to death, raised from the dead, back into town like Paul just rolling with the Lord. Jesus Christ persecuted. You won't find a true believer living the life of Christ that that makes it without some persecution. So don't seek to live a life where you try to shield yourself from persecution. You're robbing yourself of something. Jesus told his disciples, he says, look, um, when all men persecute you and revile you and say all kind of evil against you falsely for my name's sake, he said, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. Don't miss out on that. Don't be don't try to insulate yourself. I'm not saying go out there and be a jerk. And, and you know, because some Christians are weird and they get persecuted because they're just being weird. I'm not saying to do that. I'm just saying be be solid. Hold your ground. Share the gospel. Give right answers. You know, give a testimony for who. And if it brings some persecution, accept that. Accept it from the Lord. I mean, it's not a bad thing. And so moving on, verse 10, it says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard a voice behind me, a loud voice as of a trumpet. So interesting thing here. John says, I was in the spirit. What does that mean? It's not just that he was walking in the spirit. This is a little more than that. He's saying, I'm, I'm in a, I was in a spiritual state of being. Basically, he's in a place of communing with the Lord. Four times in the book of Revelation, it says that John was in the spirit. It doesn't mean that he's in the flesh the rest of the time. And then right now he's like, "Ooh, now I'm in the spirit. Ooh, you know, but it, it seems to mean that there's these moments where as John is walking with the Lord, he has these moments where he's he's just connecting with the Lord. God's revealing things to him. And he says, I was in the spirit. Interesting here that as he, he says, I'm in the spirit on the Lord's day for the New Testament saints. The Lord's day was Sunday. This is so interesting to me, right? Because we're all here today. God bless you guys for showing up on Sunday, especially if you were here last night and ate until we rolled out the door. Y'all back at the early service. God bless y'all. So, but John, for his, he's exiled to an island. There's no church service to go to, but it's the Lord's day. And John says, I'm like, I'm like, he's somewhere communing with the Lord on the Lord's day. Not going to be held back. Not, I mean, if, any, if he had an excuse, he could have said, God, I used to go to church every week when I was free. Now you got me on this island out here, so I'm going to just lay here and mope around. He didn't do that. Somehow, some way, he found himself somewhere on the Lord's day where he's in communion with the Lord, and God meets him. God meets him there. Amen? Don't make excuses to miss out on what God want to give you. Don't, don't. No, I know, no, not, this, it's the other service. It's, the other, it's some other people, the people that's not here, not y'all, because y'all here. So, but he says he's in the spirit on the Lord's day, and he heard a voice behind him, the loud voice as of a trumpet. And so this voice that he hears is a trumpet. Trumpets throughout scripture are, it's used to get your attention. It's to arrest your attention. And so as he hears what we're going to find to be the Lord's voice, the first thing he heard, it was like the sound of a trumpet. God was arresting his attention. And I would just ask us today, does the Lord have your attention? Does he have your attention? Do you give God your attention? Because you can give it to him. He can arrest your attention. But does God have your attention? Think about your life. Think about a week. Think about seven days. Think about the hours of the day. And is there? do you give God space and time? Does he have your attention? Because some of us, God got to 
you know, paralyzed us, put us in the hospital, you know, with a trach in our throat. Then we're like, it got my attention, Lord, you know, for some of y'all, you know, that's, it's got to be, you know, near critical condition, halfway to, to heaven, and then he has your attention. But God says, I, you know, for, for him, he hears his voice as a loud trumpet, and, and God has his attention. Don't make it difficult for God to get your attention, man. Just give it to him. Just pull up in the morning for devotion and give God your undivided attention. When we show up at church like this, we're saying, God, we could be anywhere right now. But we showed up. We're giving you our attention right now. I'll speak to us. Give him your attention Sundays. Give it to him during the week. Give it to him. Give him, God, have my attention. Arrest my attention. I want to hear from you. And so it says he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. He heard the voice as of a trumpet. In verse 11, the voice was saying to him, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. And so this voice speaks to him. It gives him the title that belongs to to Yahweh, the covenant God of Israel. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. This is God is speaking to him. What does that mean? What's what's significant when God says, I'm I'm the first and the last? God says, I'm the beginning and the end of everything. Everything exists in me. I began it. I end it. Uh, You really can't. Where else can I go? Who else is the beginning and the end? No, that's not true about anybody else but God. No one else is eternal. No one else has always been and will always be. Earlier in the book, last, you know, two weeks ago, he said, I I, I was, I am, and I will always be. That's only true about the Lord. Always been, still am, always going to be. Always. When we say he's the king of kings, we're acknowledging that he is the king. He's authority over all authorities. And unique about God, all every other king dies at some point. So no matter how great a person is, how great their rise, at some point, you're no longer going to be that anymore. But not Jesus. He said, I'm the king of kings, Lord of lords. I always have been, always will be, never going to not be. So you want to come under his authority. You want to come under his lordship. You want to let him be your king. We want to be part of his kingdom. Amen. And we do so by receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I'll say that at the end, but for anybody needs to hear it now, how do I become a citizen of his kingdom? How do I come under his lordship? I recognize that he died for my sins. He rose from the grave and I surrender my life to him as Lord uh, and God will receive. He says, all who call upon my name will be saved. God doesn't turn down anybody that comes to him. He receives all. Amen. Moving on now. Verse. Oh, the last part of verse 11. He tells John commands him to write these things down. So it seems like it had he had he not said that. John would have maybe just been sitting there like, whoa, this is amazing, just taking it all in. So the Lord said, hey, write, write, write this down, bro. This is, this is going to be this. Some other people need to read this later on. Write, write down what you're hearing right now. And he tells them that I want you to give it to the seven churches. Now, if you take a, a map and look at these seven churches, it's almost a, a circle where they are, the seven churches of, of Asia Minor. And he's going to write seven letters. So the next two weeks, not I'm sorry, the next seven weeks, We're going to be doing a series on the seven churches. Each week, we're going to take one church. And it's an amazing study as God writes letters. It's like an evaluation. Anybody ever had an evaluation from work? And they sit you down, and hopefully they tell you the good things that you're doing. Oh, you're doing this good. Oh, you show up on time, some of y'all. Oh, you you know, they they, they give you the good. and, 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 And here's the thing. If there's anything bad, he gives you that too. You know, Jesus is fair in his evaluations. To some churches, only good. To some churches, only bad. To some churches, a little bit of both. Here's the cool thing with the Lord. Whenever there's bad, 
He always gave a remedy. He never tells you what's wrong without telling you how to get it right. And so we're going to take our time going through those seven churches. It's going to minister to us because we are the church. Those letters are written to the church. We're, we're living in the church age. What we're going to learn through those letters is what Jesus wants the church to be. What's he love about the church? What's he not want to happen in the church? So we can conform and be what he wants us to be. Amen. So we'll come back to that next week. But he tells them here, I want you to write these letters to the seven churches. Now look at verse 12. He says, then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. So first he heard, now he sees. He heard the voice, he turned around, and now he's, he's seeing this image. And so we're going to start to look at this picture of Jesus. And But the first thing he sees when he turned around was seven golden lampstands. And so I told you guys earlier, two weeks ago, when there is symbolic imagery in the scripture, seven golden lampstands, what does that mean? We don't just make up stuff. We don't just say, well, I think the seven golden lampstands is representative of, we don't do that, right? We look elsewhere in scripture. Is there anywhere else that tells me what the lampstands are? I'm going to cheat ahead for you guys. Look down to verse 20 real quick. In verse 20, it says, the mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand, that's coming up later, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands, which you saw are the seven churches. So the seven lampstands are what? Seven churches. So we don't got to make nothing up. So we'll come back up to where we are in verse 12. So he turned around, saw these seven golden lampstands. The lampstands represent what? Churches. Here's the cool thing. The lampstand is a great image or picture of the church. The lampstand doesn't create the light. It's a lampstand. It just displays the light. We're the church of Jesus Christ. We don't create the light, Right? We just display the light. We let him live his life through us. If a church is doing it right, Christ's light should be shining through the place. The the messages should be about him. The songs should be to him. We're just putting the light of Christ on display for others to see. So the question, two-way, as a church, right, are are we letting Christ's light shine through us as a church? Are we a good light? And that's my prayer is that we would be a great light, that we'd be a good light in our community where God places us. But then individually, everybody here that's saved, you're individually members of the church. Are you a good light? As you go to work, as you go home, as you deal with your neighbors, as you go out to restaurants, as you deal with folk in the public, are you a, a good light? Are you putting Christ's light on display? Are you a good lampstand? Is Christ shining through you? Are people seeing, because we're, we're all parts of the church. We, we're gathered, this is, the church is gathering today, but we're each individual members of his church. And that's a question for us. Do we, do we display his light? Do we dim it down? Some people, when they get into different places, they try to dim it down. I want to sound too Christian. I'm going to say that's wrong to do. Don't ever turn your light down. The way it should go is the darker an environment I go in, the, the brighter my light should be. I, I shouldn't even have to try. Some environments are so dark, I only got to, I just got to go in and not do what they're doing. They're like, what's wrong with you? Nothing wrong with me. <laughs> what's, what's right with me? You know, like, so you'll just be a light. I don't suggest you go into dark environments and try this out, but you'll find the darker of situations you walk in as you just be who you are in Christ, you'll be a light. If you get conversations going, your conversation is going to be different. Your worldview is going to be different. Your perspective on issues is going to be different. If it's Filtered through the word of God and governed by Christ, you'll be a light. You'll be a light. 
Uh, it, it'll just it'll be different than everything else around you, and it will be a light. And so, my encouragement to us as a church is that we would continue to let Christ's light shine through us and as individual members when we leave this place, that we take it with us. Don't turn it down. Let, let it shine brighter and brighter. Amen. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Today's message from the book of Revelation is available to listen to again on our website. Just visit CalvaryEnglewood.org and click on media. Or you can download our mobile app to listen to more teachings. You'll find a link on our website. You can also search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in our app store. If you're looking for a place to connect this weekend, we'd love for you to join us for church. Look on our website for the latest times and locations for services. We're a group of people who love to learn from God's Word and be together as a family of God. Again, our website is calvaryinglewood.org. As we've looked into the book of Revelation, keep in mind that this book is not all doom and gloom. It ends the way the Bible began, in paradise. For those who love and follow Jesus, this book provides hope in God rescuing us from all that is broken and corrupt. So keep looking for that in the midst of much heartache here on earth. If you felt the blessing of this ministry in your life, we'd love for you to partner with us in praying for those who hear a transforming word. As the message go out, many listeners may be hearing about the Lord for the very first time. This ministry is a great opportunity to share the good news of Jesus and his salvation. We ask that you pray for ears to be opened, hearts to be softened, and for lives to be changed. That's all we have time for today. Join us again for another edition with Pastor Bill on A Transforming Word.